0: Hello, welcome to the Academy for Private Practice here in Philadelphia. I'm Joe Patrice. Ellie Mastall. Jeff Benyon, Denver Edwards. Nikki Black. And we're on On the road. On the road. (laughs) Oh no, With (laughs) with the Legal Talk Network. So yeah, we're back. We're here in the Hotel Monaco in Philadelphia, just across the street from Independence Hall. They have it, a bell. They, well, there, there is also a bell in the city and cheesesteaks. There's lots of things here. But what's really concerning us today is that this is the Academy for Private Practice, our conference where we bring in entrepreneurs and lawyers and journalists, and we all kind of talk about private practice and how to better be lawyers. And so what we have today is a panel that just concluded, or maybe it's technically a workshop. I don't know what the technical term for it was, but about cybersecurity and the cloud. So Jeff, uh, what's up with the cloud and security and things like that?
1: Well, a lot of people have questions about the cloud. A a lot of people use Dropbox and Google Drive for personal things. Uh, The question is, can lawyers use it? Should lawyers use it? And if they do use it, how do you use it most effectively and ethically? And so that's what we had a long discussion about in our panel. What did the Russian judge say? <laughs> the, the, <das> <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah,
0: uh, Ellie raises, a, I think what you just said there, breaks this down into two issues. There's like the effectiveness of the cloud's issues and the security of the cloud issues. So I guess question I'm going to go with, since Ellie's teed it up, is... Security Uh, we just went through a major hack the internet was down I wasn't able to tweet for a few hours a week ago what risks what ethical risks as well as just professional risks Are lawyers taking when they jump in on the cloud?
2: Well, I think one risk is that your information can be stolen Everyone knows that lawyers have a duty of confidentiality to protect their clients information and You are subject to having your information hacked and have someone have unauthorized access and manipulate that information as they see fit. That could create a significant problem for lawyers.
3: Are there best practices for avoiding the security risk or is it just, if you're gonna use the system, you're gonna have to roll the dice with it?
2: No, I don't think you have to roll the dice. I think with anything, you have some preventative measures and best practices that you can use. You know, in other areas, they talk about defense in depth and so forth. So, they're talking antivirus, firewalls, preventing malware, uh, encryption of data, and things like that. Um, so, there are things that you can do to sort of make sure your perimeter defenses are taken care of. I think one of the things that we talked about a little bit, but not too much, is it's really about a lot of it's about the individual and steps that individuals take, because the easiest and most low-hanging fruit is an individual who is careless with their password, who's careless with you know who they send data to, websites that they access, things like that. The, the
0: greatest security risk is between the keyboard and the seat, is what you're saying? Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Nikki, let's uh, bring you in on this. What about, uh, we kind of talked about some of the security issues there, like what what is it about the cloud that offers professional advantages to lawyers?
4: Well, there's a ton of professional advantages. I also have some suggestions in terms of steps lawyers can take.
0: By all means. I I wasn't trying to cut off that question. Oh, no, that's okay. okay. I mean, we can return to that. But
4: there's a plethora of advantages, but it also comes with uh, risks as well. And the risks are what lawyers need to avoid. When it comes to advantages, there is the mobility, flexibility, the convenience, 24-7 access to data from any internet-enabled device. There's the affordability. It gives you the ability to have access to uh, computing systems that are much more powerful than ones that lawyers typically would have access to if cloud computing didn't exist, especially solo and small firm lawyers. And so at the end of the day, it ultimately gives solo and small firm lawyers the ability to practice law from any location and ultimately better serve their clients' needs because of that. Also, there are a number of risks which have already been alluded to, and there's a lot of things that lawyers can do to avoid the risks. The opinions uh, about cloud computing indicate that lawyers have an obligation to exercise reasonable care when choosing a cloud computing provider and putting confidential client data in the cloud. And there are a ton of different things that lawyers can ask the cloud computing providers to vet them. I talk about these in my cloud computing book, um, the book about cloud computing for lawyers. I have a list of 18 questions, and there's a number of things. You want to find out if the cloud computing provider is... Um, how long have they been around? Are they funded? Have they been acquired? How stable is the company? You want to find out uh, where the company's located. You want to find out where the company's servers are located and your data is located. Geo-redundancy. Are there multiple servers in different geographic locations so that if one server goes down in a natural disaster that the other one is still up and running, has your data? How old is the data exchanged between servers? Is it two hours old or is it 10 minutes old? Is the data exchange every 10 minutes or every hour? You want to find out which employees have access to information, how much information. You want to find out. You guys jump in because there's a few other things we covered that are... Disaster recovery,
2: uh, audit rights. You know, if there's any intellectual property that's created while your data is in the cloud, who owns that information? If you want to change providers you know what's the transition time to change providers how do they destroy your information if you have some data destruction policies that that need to be implemented things like that are questions to ask
3: are we seeing any clients getting into the game and and kind of demanding a certain solution as opposed to another because it would seem to me like you know if i'm jp morgan and i'm having you know dpw whatever do my outside council work i'm gonna demand that dpw does certain things with my records for smaller clients is that happening with to smaller attorneys, or is it the clients kind of not even aware of, of this aspect?
1: Well, my clients are aware because I put it in my retainer agreement that I store documents in the cloud. I don't think that it's an issue for them because I don't think that they're as hyper paranoid about it as lawyers are. And I think most of the clients, you know, they access their bank account information online, their credit card information. You know, if they have Kaiser, they access their medical records online. They're always accessing sensitive personal data online. So I haven't really had a client come back to me and say, like, what? My documents are online? I don't want that. Store them in a file cabinet in your office. That hasn't been an issue for me. I, I don't know if that's unique or <laughs> Silly clients. Well, yeah. so
2: I think that, you know, it depends on the client and what kind of clients you ultimately want to get. So I'm always thinking not about the client today, but the client tomorrow. Right. And so depending on, you know, which industry you're in, I happen to do financial services and some, some health care. I think that because those clients or prospective clients are under other types of regulatory regimes, they require vendor management and vendor selection so i'm a vendor and therefore i must be as secure or as close to being as secure as them one notable thing that everyone talks about these days is target and how target got hacked it was an hvac vendor right mm-hmm. and so that same hvac vendor you know probably supplies many different stores And so once I think a lot of companies saw that, mid-sized companies, smaller companies, they want to now make sure that their vendors are secure so that their data can be protected.
4: Well, and that's another issue when it comes to security, speaking of vendors, is third-party integrations. Because a lot of lawyers don't think about this, but you have an obligation to vet the data that's stored by any vendor, as long as they're storing your confidential client data or have access to it. So anytime there's an integration with one of your software programs in the cloud. You need to vet those vendors as well, not just the vendor that's storing the original data. So the more integrations you have, the more security vetting that you have to do. And you also need to do that vetting, I would argue on about an annual basis, just to show that you're exercising reasonable care and that you're following up and making sure the standards and their replies haven't changed over the last year.
2: And just to add to that, listen, this is not what lawyers do. You know, we don't know about patches. We don't know about you know selecting the right IT security system and so forth i think this is where you know there's a growth opportunity for for other industries to actually come in and consult with lawyers so basically as a lawyer i just want to make sure that it works right i just want to make sure that my IT system is secure and that i'm taking best practices and i want one stop shopping so perhaps what lawyers should consider doing is retaining a consultant who will go and do the detail work behind this and report to me about, you know, what he or she has found.
1: Definitely. I mean, if you're no, no matter what you do, I mean, let's say you're a family law attorney and someone comes to you with a tax law question or a patent law question, I mean you're you're not gonna answer that. I mean you, you shouldn't answer that. You should refer that out or you should consult with someone else about it. So if you're an attorney and you don't understand, you know, the algorithms and whatnot and the security patch vocab that Dropbox uses or Box or any of those other platforms, you should definitely look into having someone else consult with you on selecting a platform and running through these questions.
2: And in fact I would say that the ethical rules actually require you to do that because they know that lawyers we don't do math. <laughs> we don't do I a told lot of other was things, no man. <laughs> um, right, <laughs> and so you know, taking reasonable care to make sure that you know when you're selecting a vendor, that might mean hiring someone who is capable and competent in space and can provide you with the level of detail that you need.
3: Can we go back to some of the advantages for doing this? Because I'm hearing this and I'm thinking, I'm just an old country lord, and that's why I keep my files in a box—a <laughs> okay. real box. You know, like it seems like a high mountain to climb
1: talk more about like why people should be climbing. it. Well, um, a couple of things. I mean, let's talk about convenience. Okay. I, I mean, you shouldn't always do what's the most convenient. You should do what's the best for your practice and for your clients, but let's talk about convenience. I mean, I have 24 seven access to my files wherever I want. I mean, right now I'm in Philadelphia. it's a Friday. Uh, so it's a work day for me and I'm getting work emails right now, and people are asking me, can you check on this, can you check on that? And yes, I can. I'm not at my office in San Diego, but I have access to that stuff. If I get some emergency email on a Saturday and someone asks me, I need this file right away, I have access to it. I don't need to drive to my office and go get it and scan it and email it. I have access to it. So one of the advantages is convenience. I think another advantage is security. We talked about this a little bit in the panel, but I think that storing your documents on the cloud in some circumstances can be more secure than storing them in paper. Now, my documents that are on the cloud... like, vandals? uh, Well, so I'll give you an example. Um, I was working in a building downtown, and they were building another skyscraper across the street. There's about 100 feet between these two buildings across the street. They're building this building, and a piece of wood flies across the street and smashed into one of the windows it flew a hundred feet in the air uh horizontally and and flew into our building and someone comes into their office and their glass wall that separates their office from the street is open and documents are flying out and they, they don't know what has been on the street how long it's been there i mean they they've got client files in their office that are now on broadway
4: well, and that happened in Buffalo. There was a fire and the windows blew out of the law firm and they had documents strewn across the street. So that's apparently law firms across the country have documents strewn across yeah, the street. Yeah, I, so. I
1: was in a, I was one time. We need to do an investigation. Yeah, I had, I had this depot that I was going to, and it was a depot of this doctor. And it was, we we're trying to work around the doctor's schedule. And so we were on like the fourth or fifth amended depot notice. And I'm taking the train from San Diego up to LA to go to this depot. And I'm like halfway into this three hour train ride that required me to get up at like five o'clock in the morning. And I get an email that says depot needs to be postponed. I'm like, hell no, (laughs) this depot was going forward. And I opened the email and it was from this law firm. And they forwarded me the news article about how last night their building burned down and they lost everything in their office. And that is an absolute catastrophe. I mean, what do you do? But no
4: excuse for avoiding a deposition.
1: Right. I mean, on the the scale of excuses, that's like a solid 9, 9.5. But, I mean, what do you do if you avoid the cloud and you think, well, I'm just going to keep all my documents in my office and my office is not going to get broken into and my office is not going to burn down and the cleaning lady who comes into my office isn't going to accidentally throw something away or what if she's a spy or something like that or, I mean, no matter where you have your documents, there are always security concerns. When my documents are on the cloud, I get reports of here are the IP addresses of people that logged in and viewed your documents. Here's when they viewed those documents. So I don't know if my documents are printed out and they're in a filing cabinet. I don't have an audit report that I can go back to and see what are the IP addresses of everyone who opened up that filing cabinet, and what files did they pull out and look at, and for how long were they looking at them?
2: So I'm moving away a bit from the the convenience aspect, and I think a lot about how to get more business, (laughs) because that's the business of law, Right. right? As I was mentioning in the presentation, I think that the cloud is a force multiplier for small law firms. At a big law firm, you just have an army of folks. They do business development for you. To, they prepare marketing plans. But one of the things that clients think about a lot is, you know, do you have the right bench? How many people do you have to do a particular matter? And what happens if you get hit by a car and can't do the work, right? So I think that the cloud, because it creates convenience for people, allows you to be able to partner with different people in different geographies to work on a matter. So you could be a kick-ass you know ip lawyer with an opportunity to get onto a really big case let's say you're a minority women owned firm right and you wanted to get on this really big case for microsoft and you are the person that's right for the job but it's only you and your partner well perhaps you know you can hire contract attorneys you can hire people with certain skill set that you can bring to bear on this matter and show microsoft or whomever or google that you can compete for a matter that a mid-sized firm could compete for. So there is a business reason why you'd want to be on the cloud as opposed to you know just being someone who has their documents in boxes and file cabinets.
4: Well, Let me just three on-the-ground examples of the benefits cloud computing can provide, especially to solo and small firm attorneys. First one is time tracking. When I was practicing law in a firm in the early 2000s, I would have to bill by writing my out on a sheet of paper and then handing it off to my secretary and then she would type it all out. I'd have to review it and make sure it was correct and then eventually it would end up getting billed. And when you have cloud computing and um, I'm going to be talking about practice management platforms because of the features that can be so practical and built into them. Most of the law practice management platforms um, have iPad apps or iPhone apps. You can take your phone to court. You can be sitting in court appearing waiting for your case to be called in one matter. You can be reading emails in another case and you can enter your billable time from the app for those two. And then you go out in the hallway, you run into opposing counsel for another case. When you leave the courtroom, you can enter the billable time for that. So you don't lose track of your time. It's automatically billed associated with the case, and it appears on the invoice automatically when you go to print that invoice out. So that's one example. Another example is when you are appearing in court and opposing counsel says, I never received that, or the court says, that hasn't been filed with the court. You can pull out your iPad, pull out the time-stamped copy, and show it to them. And right there, you have proof that this document that you've accessed through the cloud disputes exactly what had just been said politely to the court, and it can be a you know, F you to oppose and counsel, depending on how you want to go about it. And then um, the other option is with online payments. Lawyers want to get paid. And when you accept online payments through the cloud, your clients can log, you send out an invoice online through the cloud. They receive the invoice, they look at the invoice, and then they can click pay and they can send you a credit card payment through the cloud. And so you can instantaneously get paid. You don't have to worry about printing out a bill, sending the bill out, waiting for them to send in a check. You're paid instantaneously. So those are three examples of how cloud computing simplifies practicing law for solo and small firms.
0: Great. Well, thanks everybody for uh, talking about your panel today. So we're going to wrap up here. If you are listening at home and you haven't already subscribed to On the Road with Legal Talk Network, then then I just don't know. I just don't know. I mean, I've been telling you to at the end of every one of these episodes. If you haven't done it by now, I, I, I'm losing faith. But do it and then uh, give reviews because that helps out the podcast. Download the Legal Talk Network app. That way you can listen to all the offerings of the Legal Talk Network. And with that, I think uh, we've reached the end of the road on... On the road, and on I'm hooked. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I mean that, that's actually in the script. I just refuse to ever say it because I think it's too much. <laughs> but I thought I'd throw it in now since you already did the double thing. Uh, no one's listening to the last few words. They always stop anyway by now. So yeah. So anyway, uh, with that, we will say goodbye from on the road at the Legal Talk Network. And if you had listened to that, then definitely give us a like on it. Consult a lawyer.